I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're expert at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers, and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project-focused data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from first-hand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Welcome to Data Futurology. Today, we have a super exciting episode. We're going to be discussing graph analytics, um, and we've had a lot of questions to cover this topic, so we're going to dive deep into it. For that, we have David Bader. David is a distinguished professor and director for the Institute of Data Science at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. David, thank you so much for joining the, the show. How are you going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Just love talking about graphs. So this should be an exciting time. Oh, mate, I am so excited. So excited to get to spend some time together to pick your brain um, and to, you know, answer a little of the audience questions that we've been getting on this on this topic, which is phenomenal. Um, so before we get started, can you tell us uh, a little bit about your, your role and your remit, the type of work that you're doing and focusing on at the moment? Thank you. So at the New Jersey Institute of Technology, I lead a research institute called the Institute for Data Science. And right now, let me just tell you about one of the exciting projects that we're working on. It's a open source, large scale data science framework called Arcuda. And this is on GitHub. You can search for Arcuda is the Greek word for bear, A-R-K-O-U-D-A. And we're building out graph analytics at scale. And what we're doing, to me, this is so exciting. We're creating a productivity front end so that anyone from their Jupyter notebook in Python can call our framework. But in the back end, you can have a supercomputer running on tens of terabytes of data. So for me, this is quite exciting to democratize data science and especially graph analytics so that anyone with a problem and who knows Python will be able to work on some of the largest and most challenging data sets. Amazing, amazing. Um, so keen to, to explore that, um, definitely to explore that further. Uh, but tell me, how, how did you get started in, in, to, in the graphs, in graph space? How, how did you get interested in focusing in, in, in that area? So my work in graphs goes back almost 40 years. Uh, I've been in just fascinated with graphs or um, even before I was in school. And that um, just goes back a, a long time, if you will. And I like graphs because they show connections and relationships. And from, for instance, vertices in the graph are points and lines in the graph are edges. We could build surfaces or group or do a lot of things with, with graphs. 
So very early on, I was very interested in looking at large graphs and graphs that abstract from the real world, whether it's mm-hmm. a transportation network or whether it is trying to understand network security or whether it's a friendship network on, on a social uh, a social network platform. And so for me, graphs have gone from being a niche to now being mainstream where most organizations have graph problems and look for graph analytics that can solve their problems in the enterprise. Yeah, that's really that's really great. Um, and how do you feel the um, say graph uh, and yeah, graphs maybe as a capability? How do you how do you, how has it evolved over time in terms of the um, there's this I guess the 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 mathematical theory side there's the technology side um, and then there's the the industry applications how has the different parts of the of the capability evolved um, in in the time that you've been interested in the space what has happened is that many organizations have realized that some of their most challenging problems are amenable to graph analytics so if you think about a graph it abstracts relationships between objects. And those objects could be people, the objects could be computer IP addresses, the objects could be um, nodes in a road network. And so any problem that we can abstract where we have relationships between objects, we could use graph analytics to solve. And then once we can map a problem into the graph space, we think about what are we trying to find? Are we looking for paths? For instance, the shortest path between friends from me to you in the graph. Are we looking for communities? So is there some emerging community of interest? Are we looking for influencers? And so these are the types of questions that we often have once we're in the graph domain. And what I like to do is design new scalable algorithms that are able to work on these ever increasing large size graphs to solve the analytic that we're looking for. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And what are what are some of the applications that you've seen um, over, over the years or, or maybe recently? There are many applications. For instance, we are working right now with Accenture on trying to detect malfeasance within the open source community. So if we think about open source software as a supply chain, then we are looking for compromises of that supply chain. And we've seen last year some hacks like Log4j and SolarWinds that infected large organizations based on the open source supply chain of software. So we're using graph analytics to analyze the open source software to try to detect these types of very defined intrusions into software. But we can also use graphs to understand, for instance, patients and electronic health records to understand better treatments and even personalized medicine through graphs. And we can also use graphs to understand our electric power grid. So to shore up and make more resilience, the power that runs our telecommunications, our food production, our transportation, and more. And so graphs, we find many, many applications through many domains that makes it a really fundamental tool in in our toolkit. 
Oh, mate, some of those um, applications are near and dear to my heart. Um, I I work in healthcare, um, so I'm a, I'm a CDAO in, in a health tech business. And um, obviously looking at patient data, uh, looking at the, the different um, doctors and providers that people can go to and seeing how they travel through the healthcare industry. Um, and, um, and that's obviously super interesting for us and also what leads to good outcomes and better outcomes, things that we're looking at. The other one around, uh, you know, cybersecurity, information security, looking at the patterns um, that so information security uh, and cybersecurity is within uh, my remit uh, at work. So something that I spend a fair bit of time thinking about as well. Recently, there's been a lot of a lot of um, attacks in, in Australian organizations, larger Australian organizations as well. Um, like Optus, and, and uh, which is telecommunications business, and uh, Medibank being a large health insurer here. Um, and before this, I worked in in finance, uh, where you know uh, Graph has um, come up as well in um, well understanding uh, customers, um, understanding the the movements of of money, how think how accounts are linked and people are linked and uh, the relationships there. Uh, so it's 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 such it's such a uh, a widely applicable capability. Um, uh, what what would you say to people looking to get started in in applying um, this capability to the problems that they might be facing in their organizations? So that that's a great question. So, for instance, let me take an example that you mentioned in the finance sector. Maybe you are an organization that's trying to detect fraud, and so what you may do is create a network, for instance, every time a customer purchases an item at a particular location, you start to build up a graph with all the nouns in the system. So a person would be a vertex, a item that they bought would be a vertex, and you could have attributes such as the geographic location. And through all of these transactions across all of your customers, you would start to build up a very rich graph of information. And then in that graph, you may look for outliers. So do outlier detection to try to find fraud within that network. So the first thing that you would need to do when you have a problem is think about what is a vertex and what is an edge. So I, I like to think about vertices as nouns or objects in the system and identify what they are. And then for a graph, I need relationships between those objects or, or nouns. And those are sometimes represented as verbs or relationships between those objects. So once I've defined from my problem space the abstraction of a graph, now I'm ready to think about what type of graph is it? Is Are the edges directed in one direction or are the edges undirected? Are there timestamps as to when I see a vertex join the graph? Are there weights on the edges? Are there weights on the vertices? And so I can go from my very rich problem space and build up a graph that represents that, that abstraction. And then once I have the graph, I have to map the questions that I have into the graph analytic space. So really the, the first step is just thinking about that graph. What is that graph going to represent? And then the manual work of ingesting my data into a framework that can build that graph. And I should say there's many easy to use frameworks out there. In Python, we have NetworkX. 
There's Neo4j and other packages out there that very easily let me ingest data and form a graph out of that data. But when the problem size gets to be very, very large, and I'm talking about billions of vertices, that's where I come in with some massive graph solutions. Amazing, amazing. And and um, and how do the algorithms change when we start thinking about the the and being in in the world of massive um, graph solutions? That, that that's a great question. So often graphs have missing information. For instance, if we have a graph representing our network traffic for a cybersecurity application, we often will miss some things or get some things wrong. And we have to understand that the graph isn't perfect, but it's the best that we can do to represent that information. Hmm. Oftentimes we get false positives in our analytic routines. For instance, we're looking for a cybersecurity intrusion and maybe one in a million times, a flag gets raised that we investigate and find out that it wasn't a real attack. Now, that's okay when your problem size is small enough. One in a million, you or I could look at, maybe we get one of those once in a blue moon and realize whether or not that was an attack or not. But when we start talking about massive graphs where we have trillions of edges in the graph, one in a million error rate will start to overwhelm us. So what we have to do when we're designing new graph algorithms is have more fidelity in the algorithm to make sure that the false positive rate is maybe one in a trillion versus one in a million. So that's one of the challenges that we have as we're designing new scalable algorithms. And and um, when when you say that, my... my um... I guess my, my follow-up question is, yeah, can you tell us more about how to increase that fidelity? My mind um, would initially go into um, data quality, uh, better, uh, more data acquisition, things like that. But I'm sure there's uh, there's um, there's advancements on the on the algorithm side that that um, are helpful as well. So how how do you increase the fidelity of the of the algorithms? So that, that's a great question. Often many of our graph algorithms that we're trying to compute are very challenging or very costly to compute. Mm-hmm. And so we look at better hardware, better processor designs. We work with many companies over the years like IBM, Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, and others to design better processors and better accelerators so that we can scale to these larger problems and run the more Um, the more effective algorithms to solve the problems that we're looking for. So often in the algorithms, we may take a shortcut in order to solve the problem, but if we can remove those shortcuts and solve for what we're really looking for, then we may get better fidelity in in that uh, solution. So there's many techniques that we use and we try to scale the algorithms up We try to use more cores, more threads, and more processors in order to speed up the algorithms that we want to solve. They're often very time consuming Mm -hmm. to solve these large graph problems because the the architectures become very challenged when we're doing memory intensive operations like walking through a graph. And so some, some of that are the new algorithms that we've designed to speed up those calculations to better partition graphs and better to 
have some very complicated kernels that run on those graphs. Yeah, really nice. So um, um, hardware uh, improvements is is one side, then the um, computational component and, and managing distributed um, computers, distributed networks to be able to do the, the computations uh, required. Um, and then obviously there's there's the, the the data side, but you're thinking more about how to how to crunch um, information at that at that scale, which is which is massive. So let, let me give you an example from a paper that that we just put out. Oftentimes it's very hard to find communities in large graphs. The graph mm -hmm. looks like a big hairball and it's hard to look at it, observe it, and pull out a community. And one surrogate is looking for dense subregions of the graph where a lot of triangles exist. And a triangle is three edges that connect three vertices together. We, we all know what a triangle is. So we wanna find parts of the graph where we have more triangles than other parts of the graph. And so triangle counting and finding is very hard to do in parallel. In fact, most of the algorithms today are brute force. You yeah. look for um, triangles by finding a wedge and then you send that wedge around to see if anyone else has the closing edge to it. So it just generates a lot of communication. Recently, we just found and designed a brand new algorithm that does it in a very different way, reducing the work and the communications by really just identifying the triangles in a more direct approach rather than swamping the computer with a lot of these partial triangles floating around. So we're very excited because it's communication optimal that we found a new algorithm and a new way of doing it that we imagine will now catch on as the predominant way to find triangles and thus do community detection in these very large graphs. Phenomenal. Like that's that's uh, that's such a powerful capability um, with applications across so many in industries um that yeah from yeah from <laughs> from from fraud to healthcare to electricity as you were saying utilities um that's that's outstanding how long was that work um in the um in the mix uh, other than like uh, how long did it take to to uh, be developed so we did that work this summer with a couple students i have some fantastic high school interns, as well as some great PhD students, master's students, and undergrads. So during the course of, of several weeks or, or months, we talked about it and then had the aha moment of here's a better way to do it. So we actually wrote the algorithm probably about three times, taking what we had, throwing it away, figuring out a better way to do it until we arrived at this brand new algorithm. And it's elegant. I love it because it uses some kernels like breadth first search, and then it does a sparse matrix transpose, and then it does a broadcast. So it's very simple to describe and really simplifies the work that's needed to find triangles in a large graph. I love it. That is great. And did you say there was high school students in the uh, in the team? There, there were several. So I had um, two or three very fantastic high school students who worked on that and our co-authors on the paper that we put out. Amazing, amazing. Imagine doing um, that type of work while you're in high school. Um, we we have some, some great students in New Jersey and 
for the high school students, they may not have been able to understand all the depth of computer science, but they were able to work on the algorithm, create a prototype in Python, and actually help me diagnose better ways to implement the algorithm through their work. So they were fantastic and integral to this work. So I, I really love having a diverse group of students and um, from high school all the way through PhD. Amazing, amazing, that is phenomenal. Um, and tell me, tell me um, about your, so your new book, Massive Graph Analytics. Um, tell me what, ah, love it. Yes, I've got a copy as well. It is fantastic. Um, tell me what, what were you, um, what were you aiming to bring to the world with the book? It's such a, it's such a big project. Uh, it definitely takes a little dedication and consistency. Uh, so I, I, first of all, congratulations on, on producing this book. Uh, and tell me what, what was the, uh, some of the aims uh, on, on what you're, wanting to, to bring to the world with, with the book. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And it, it was a lot of work. Many years went into this book. My vision was to have a reference on the top work for this really emerging area of massive graph analytics. So as the title of the book says, it's massive graph analytics, where I collected up over 85 contributors to the book in 21 chapters that are partitioned in sections on algorithms and applications, solution frameworks, so that anyone who is interested in this field from a novice to an expert would be able to have in one place all of the top research and studies related to massive graph analytics. So we are really proud of this book and it was uh, just a phenomenal experience to bring together all of these Contributors, as I mentioned, over 85 people contributed to the work. And this is the first book on the subject. It's the one place, one stop shop in order to learn everything about massive graph analytics. So I'm really proud of it. And I think I learned a lot as well reading these chapters and also writing the introduction for the book, where I was just fascinated about where did graphs start? Who was the first person to use a graph for a real-world graph analytic problem? So there's some nice stories in, in the introduction, but I think there's a chapter in there for everybody. That is phenomenal. And, and given that it's um, a, a, an emerging area or a new area, how did you structure the book? How did you think about um, giving uh, yeah, an overall structure to something that's, that's you know, um, new and, and developing so quickly? I've been in the world of graphs, as I mentioned, for almost 40 years, but I've been working with collaborators on large-scale graph analytics for many years and invited a number of those um, authors to help with the vision and the content for the book. So I really thought about what does it take to know everything about massive scale graphs. And this book, as you know, has uh, almost, um, I think, 601 pages. So there's a lot of material in this book. But I, I thought about what is it that you need to know in order to know the mathematics of graph analytics, 
to know the implementation of graph analytics, and to know solutions that are out there and applications that are currently being solved. So I try to fit that all in a natural way in this book so that there are sections of this book that are going to be relevant to anybody interested in graph analytics. Now, you may say, I have a small graph problem today, but what I challenge you with is anyone with a graph problem, as we know, data keeps increasing at an exponential rate. So anyone who thinks they have a small graph problem today, probably tomorrow will have a massive graph analytic problem. So we'd like to think about what do you do once the problem no longer fits on your laptop? Once you have to figure out how do I solve this problem when I need more than my laptop and my Python routine is taking too long, this has to run instantaneously and it's taking me hours, what do I do now? So this is a solution book for anyone who is thinking about graphs in the enterprise and moving towards large scale. That's, yeah, that is, that is outstanding. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine the, the amount of work um, to make this all happen. So I'm, I'm yeah, so, so impressed. Um, what were some of the, um, some of your, Oh, I can't say favorite because, like, with with a book, you know, it's it's all it's all your um, labor of love. But what what were some of the um, areas that maybe um, piqued your interest um, as as the book was was being written and and, and forming? So I love all twenty one chapters. They are all fantastic, but there there are chapters in there that really are um, just. Fantastic chapters. For instance, some uh, researchers at MIT have some new graph algorithms that I think are quite exciting to, to read about. We have some companies that contributed chapters. For instance, Neo4j has a chapter in, in the book. And we have new application frameworks. As I mentioned, our work with Arcuda is a chapter in this book. So I think that whether you're an academic or you're in a lab or working at a company, you'll find chapters that are very relevant, whether you're on the research front or whether you're a developer, you'll find some material that's very useful in, in the book. Yeah, I thought it was really good to include, you know, applications and frameworks um, that, um, as well as the, the theory and some and software, it, it really covers um, so many different areas. Um, and could you tell us a little bit more about Arcuda, um, where, how, how's the, the trajectory been so far? Where is it at now? Um, and then we can go into what's what's coming up next for Arcuda. Sure. So Arcuda is a project that was started by the U.S. Department of Defense just about two years ago. So it's an open source framework. It's on GitHub, so anyone can clone a, a copy of it. And we were really interested in finding a way that our data scientist, whose lingua de franca is Python, could take the productivity of Python, but get the performance of a supercomputer in the back end. We wanted to democratize data science. So what we do as developers, myself and my research group, is that we design new algorithms that are incorporated into Arcuda. We do all of the complicated work under the hood so that a user can call from Python a routine similar to NumPy or Pandas, but have it operating in a backend supercomputer 
and getting the near real-time response time that they're used to when they're just running in a Jupyter notebook uh, on their front end. So this framework, I think, is the first of its kind. And we are operating on data sets that have, say, tens of terabytes of information in the data set. We're also building out native graph analytic routines so that a user who views their data as a graph will be able to call graph algorithms like breadth-first search, connected components, k-trust analysis, Jacquard coefficients, triangle counting, and more, and have it work in near real time. You click enter and you get your result right away. And all of this is done through the hard work of scaling these algorithms for that back end. Now, I should also mention on the back end, we're using an open source compiler called Chapel that was developed over the last 20 years from Cray, which was acquired by HPE. So it's a product from HPE Cray that is just this fantastic open source compiler. So the entire framework that we have is open source and we encourage others to pick it up, use it, kick the wheels, and to develop and contribute back to this open source project. Amazing, amazing. And what, what type of infrastructure will people need to, to be able to run um, Arcuda and, and get into these type of um, problems? You can run this on any system you have. So Chapel could run on a laptop, it could run on a cluster, a large multi-core machine, or a big supercomputer, one of the most capable in the world. So depending on the size system that you want on the back end for high performance, it could be everything from a cluster to a big, massive supercomputer. And so there's no other requirements, just having your systems that you want to use, the storage on the back end to store your data, and have the curiosity to be able to want to run analytics on some of the largest data sets that you have within your organization. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And what, what would be your, your vision for Akuda? What would you uh, love for it to, to become? Right now we have tens of users. So we have early adopters who are finding fantastic uses. In fact, just yesterday, I heard a story of an intern who picked up Arcuda and analyzed a data set that hadn't been analyzed before, did a couple queries, and found a uh, problem with how the data was being collected. They were missing some information. No one would have ever suspected that unless you could have run and I'm told the intern ran a query in five minutes to be able to identify issues with the data that was being collected. So these are the types of use cases for Arcuda when an intern in five minutes can discover things that you never would have guessed um, without having this just superb capability to understand massive, massive data sets, including graphs. Amazing, amazing. So, so that that is phenomenal. I love I love that story. That for you know a new person to the organization to be able to come and uh, find insights and, and add value so quickly um, to to improve the organization. Um, so it's definitely a massive. Um, uplift in the capability that people can have by by picking up these this tool set um and where um what what would you like uh if if you look into uh into the future what what would you be 
uh, excited for Akuda to to become or to be able to do uh, what 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 is in your in your vision for it? What I'd like is every single person and organization who has a massive graph analytic problem, a large graph problem or a large data science problem has the capability to solve it no matter where they are in the world. So I want equitable access for everyone to be able to work on these problems and to find new discoveries that are important and help solve global grand challenges. I think that we have many issues in the world today and if we give more capabilities to those with data and let them empower the data, we'll make the world a much better place. So that's really my, my goal and my vision. And I really hope others will join in and help with this work. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I think that is a, a wonderful um, ambition and um, I think also an excellent um, note to to end on. Um, David, I want to thank you so much for your time, for your contributions, for all your work, uh, for the dedication to be able to help uh, bring this, this quality of important work uh, to, to reality and to help uh, disseminate the knowledge in a way that is accessible and can make a difference uh, around the world. Thank you so much uh, for, uh, for your time and for all the work that you do. Thank you so much. It's great to talk with you. And I encourage everyone out there to look at the world as a graph. And this is just a fantastic time to do so. So thanks to you and um, to all, all of your listeners. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching this video all the way to the end. I hope that you got a lot out of this discussion. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel um, so more people can find out about the challenges that leaders have in the analytics and AI space. And that's what we're trying to share in Data Futurology. Uh, so please like and subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, please tell your friends. Thank you so much.